Well, the stars are out at the old boys tonight. Oh, yeah. Can you do it with a straight face? No. <laughs> <laughs> I deleted it and then Lee made me re-record it. I undeleted it because that may or may not have been the funniest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> anyway, we're live at the Imaginary Old Boise's. We're on the red carpet wearing our tuxedos and evening gowns. So this is our, uh, yeah, our first Old Boise's. This is our, the the first <laughs> annual, and when I say annual, at end of end of season, Old Boise Awards for best things in quantum leap yeah um how are you feeling about these leap i'm really good season one went by so fast yeah it did it feels like only yesterday we were watching genesis part two yeah yeah although i was gonna say that that two-parter really felt like it went on forever but <laughs> here we are so uh let's start our um tv simulcast uh offset by several weeks um <laughs> for uh, so they can bleep all our curse words. I thought we'd do a quick recap of every episode. Since this is only a nine-episode season, we can very quickly recap the episodes and, and pinpoint our favorite and least favorite things about each episode. Sure. How does that sound? That sounds good, Lee. Yeah? Yeah. It's, not like, it's like we didn't plan this out in advance. <laughs> yeah. What if I just disagreed right now? Like, I really hate that idea. Well, that's a terrible... In fact, I don't know about these old boysies. So, we start with... Season 1, Episode 1, Genesis Part 1. Alright, Genesis Part 1. So, in this one, you're going to know more about it than me, because this had a lot of words in it. But, uh, Sam, we, we discover, and he discovers with us, that he is quantum leaping, first of all. Yeah, um, trying to prove that time travel within one's own lifetime is possible, Sam uh, Beckett stepped into the quantum leap accelerator and vanished. He awoke uh, to find himself inhabiting a body that was not his own. Cool, that was excellent. That was inaccurate. <laughs> it was very good, but... Um... Um, <laughs> the Boise Award for Best Recap goes to goes to Lee. Um, he leaps into um, a, an Air Force pilot, Tom Stratton. Yeah. Tom Stratton is a fighter pilot. He's got a wife uh, who's pregnant, and they have a son, Mikey. They've been having problems with planes lately. Yeah, the planes keep uh, crashing as they tr- attempt to uh, hit Mach three. These planes just keep crashing, but we gotta keep trying. But of course, this is this is the first part of a two-parter, so we don't get any resolution. We don't find out the answer to any of these mysteries. We just know that um, Sam keeps telling people, "I don't know how to fly a plane. Please help me." And they all laugh. <laughs> and every single one and of them send them up. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna say that that's my least favorite thing about this is the uh, idea that the U.S. Air Force takes this job so. Uh, cavalierly that this guy will be like I don't know how to fly a plane and they'll be like get in the plane Tom that's my least favorite thing about this episode yeah I I agree I also um both my least favorite but in a way my most favorite is also the the kitchen um self-consciousness that mm-hmm. the the ladies show in it um they spend time in the kitchen and talk about how awful their bodies are which is depressing yeah and it, but it comes again in the second episode, too. So. Yeah. What's my favorite thing from this episode? I don't know. Uh, it might just be the white jumpsuit that Sam is wearing as he uh, leaps for the first time. Yeah. It's both 
very 80s and no time. It's like what in 1989 people considered to be a timeless future garment. Mm-hmm. It's like Tron without the, the style. The pizzazz. Yeah. yeah. Also, like, I mean, I love, like, his hair is blowing uh, and he's got this kind of euphoric uh, smile <laughs> on his face. It's a pretty good it shot. Euphoric. It's a, it's a very good shot that you see, like, for two seconds in the episode and then for, like, an eighth of a second in the opening credit sequence. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think those are my two choices. Top and least, my, my favorite and my least favorite things from this episode. Okay. Um, I have to say that my, my most favorite thing about this episode, and I don't know if I can remember a specific uh, reason, but um, the introduction of Al... Mm-hmm. In general, and yep. his hologramminess. Like Sam just keeps seeing him in places. Yeah, and he just like looks out of place because he's wearing tuxedos and shit. I'm gonna say Sam calling Al the boogeyman because he can walk through things. Right, is my favorite part. Yeah, that's good. Great. Should we move on? To Moving two? on. So episode we really power through. These yeah. Um, season one, episode t- uh, two is Genesis Part Two. It's uh, the wrapping up. Of Tom Stratton, and then he f- jumps into Fox something. Tim Fox. Tim Fox. Tim Fox, baseball player. And he uh, hits the worst home run of all time. And he calls his dad. He calls his dad and cries a lot. Yeah. My favorite part is him crying. I'm going with his dad. Because, uh... You love a sensitive man. Yeah, I do. With daddy issues. I, I do. I didn't know how to say this, but... I'll just go out and say it. <laughs> a man showing his, uh, his vulnerability gets me every time. So that's my favorite part. What's your least favorite? My least favorite is when he looks at the mirror and sees Tim Fox. <laughs> Art Garfunkel. <laughs> it was surprising and scary. Oh, I think you're you're forgetting the, the real least favorite part, which is when he leaves Mikey standing alone in a stream. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. That one, that one takes the cake. That's pretty bad. Um, train to It's time for the train to go by. Where are you going and where are you coming from? Probably Scarborough or Scarborough. <laughs> it's either going to or coming from, you see. I understand. Yeah. Okay, good. So that's part two. No, no, I didn't do my favorite part, which I can't think of one. <laughs> well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you stopped me from moving on. Then. Um, I do love how shitty that home run is. <laughs> See, I don't know anything about sports, so I was just like, this all looks normal. <laughs> this all just looks like sports. Ball. You just yeah, baseball is mainly balls being thrown but not caught. Uh, season one, episode two, star crossed. Oh yeah. Uh, uh Sam. A leaps into Professor Bryant of Lawrence College, uh, sees the woman who would later become the love of his life and leave him at the altar, and also there's Jamie Lee and Oscar. Yeah, uh, a hilarious couple of youngsters who are <laughs> who in are their, 40. in their forties. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of redheaded rapscals. Rapscals. Rap <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just woke up from a nap. They're rapscallions, is what you meant. Did I, or did I just create a better word? Um, okay, favorite. What are, what are your favorite and least favorite? Okay, I do love a lot of Oscar's stuff. Mm-hmm. I love 
the amount of times that people say the word horny. Yeah. I hate the entire scene that takes place in the bar where Professor Bryant is harassing his student. Yeah. But it's actually Sam, so it's even worse. It's, it's, it's both better and worse. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, I'll start with my least favorite part, which is where uh, they're in the car and Jamie, who has been shown to be an English literature enthusiast, incorrectly <laughs> references Jane Eyre. By, How fucking dare she? By referring to um, Thornwood, which is not a place in Jane Eyre. So that upset me deeply. Um, my favorite part would have to be... When I learned, I'm going to get meta for a second and say the moment that I learned that Jamie Lee uh, was the usher from Dracula Dead and Loving It. And I immediately was like, never mind, she's my favorite person. I do like, in in <laughs> retrospect, I found her really annoying at the time, but more in retrospect, I think she should have gotten more credit. It was a bananas performance. It's, it, was, it was very uh, interesting and... Knowing that she's a comedic actor really put her whole thing into perspective yeah. for me more. Because I'm like, oh, she's being ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think there are many actors out there who could have done a better <laughs> performance than that. I agree. All right. Um, the next episode is season one, episode four, The Right Hand of God. Uh, why don't you sum this one up? Can I? Okay, so Sam leaps into a boxer who um, lives with a, a topless dancer Um and, the uh, famous Dixie. Oh, yeah. We'll get to Dixie again. But yeah, the, the famous Dixie. Um, he also has to win a boxing match so that the church, the, the Catholic church that lives nearby will get a bunch of money. <laughs> like, I'm kind of... There's also, I'm like, um, uh, Dean Stockwell's brother. Yeah, Dean Stockwell's brother, Guy Stockwell, plays, like, this, this uh, like... What would you call him? Like like this low-key, like a Nathan Detroit, real shitty mobster. A shitty mobster um, who wants him to throw the fight and will pay him to throw the fight, but he's got to win the fight to win money for the church, right? Yeah, well, in the end, uh, he won the money by not betting on his own match, but by betting on the Muhammad Ali fight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little confused, but then at the end of the day... It was all, the day was saved by uh, Dixie streaking through the I mean, was it audience. though? Go back and we listen to that episode. That's... We oh. have to believe for Dixie that... Yeah, that she contributed. That it did it for, it was there for a purpose and she didn't I have contradict to say, her own morals for no reason. For all that I love Dixie, this was the one episode while I was preparing for the Oboises this year mm. that, like, I didn't remember this episode existed. Like, I remembered every single other episode of this season, except for this one. It's not a good episode, but it had, it gave us Dixie. It gave us Dixie, the angel, the living angel that is Dixie. So, I mean, I suppose we could combine to say that the best part of this episode was Dixie. We could, but I'm going to give a specific Dixie moment. All right, go for it. Which is when Rocco shows up at the door and uh, she opens it. He goes like Dixie and she slams it in his face. And then a minute later, she slams it in his face again and breaks his nose. That's very <laughs> funny. You broke my nose. That's very funny. That was very good. I think my favorite Dixie moment, I mean, <laughs> the amazing grace. I think I have to go with it. Like where she, uh, 
in order to, I don't know if she's trying to persuade her boyfriend of anything. Like, they're in the middle of a conversation. She says, like, I thought I owned you. And then opens up her bathrobe, shows him the goods, and amazing grace is heard <laughs> from her magical, magical bosoms. Uh, so that's got to be my In favorite. stereo. In stereo. Um, yeah, least favorite part would have to be um, the nun. The, the, the ADR young, nun? The young nun who was ADR'd all throughout, really yeah. poorly. Um, I have to say, I really hate um, Sam's on the waterfront impression. <laughs> that stands out as like, just why is this here? Yeah, it was neither good enough to be there, nor so bad that it was hilarious. Nor a current reference at the time that it's set. Is that why you think he tried it? Because he thought it would work because it was just so brilliantly <laughs> written and it was such a good performance that... <laughs> He's like, this is the one thing I know about boxing. This has to work. <laughs> like, much like Donald P. Belisari, the only thing he knows about boxing is cauliflower ears. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The only thing that Sam knows is the phrase, I could have been a contender. Yeah, I gotta say it, because it's all I know. All right, season one, episode five, How the Tess Was Won. Sam plays uh, a veterinarian uh, with no last name. Doc. Doc, um, who uh, is, through no fault of his own, finds himself in a challenge to win a woman. Yeah. And also... Um, Buddy Holly is there. <laughs> oh, yeah. P.S. It's about, it's actually about Buddy Holly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, favorite moment of this one would have to be, do you have one off the top of your head? Well, I feel like I know yours. Shirtless Bacula carrying the, uh, the fence post. Oh, yeah. I guess I gotta go with that. There's also there's Piggy in the drawer. I love more than men showing their vulnerability, it's men not showing their vulnerability and carrying heavy things. <laughs> Uh, there's also Piggy in the drawer, which is very good. Yeah, that was good too. My yeah. least favorite moment is very clear, which is when he throws an unconscious woman into his car, takes her to his home, puts her on the couch, takes her clothes off under yeah. the guise of being a doctor. Um, that is also terrible. That is, I will say that that is the kind of morally most questionable thing. There is one kind of filmmaking thing that pisses me off a lot, which is in that scene where she faints and he throws her over his shoulder and throws him in the car. And then, what's the, what's the other guy's name? Judd. Bruce? Bruce? (laughs) Judd? I don't know. Um, the The, the, the man who wears black. Yeah, the, the guy who is is uh, Sam's ultimate rival for the Hand of Tess uh, just rides his horse into frame and watches this happen. Yeah. And again, to me, it's like at, at that moment, he's framed as a villain. But then we find out later that he's not. So then why was that shot in it? And just from a filmmaking, storytelling perspective, that is the most infuriating thing. Yeah, and from a filmmaking perspective it it puts me in an interesting position because at first I was like is he are we seeing this so that we know he's gonna go to like Tess's father and be like I saw him take your daughter into his car unconscious and then drive her to an unknown location and it's like that would not be like that's villainous to Sam because I'm not making sense no I mean I I get what you're saying like what would the bad outcome be that he yeah. claims that Doc did the thing that he actually did? <laughs> exactly. And yeah. should not have done in that way? 
And also, like, yeah. Because that's actually quite a heroic thing that he should do. But well, he I mean, he should have it. stopped him in the first place. Yeah. Should have gone with them in the car to Doc's apartment and made sure that he didn't take advantage of the situation. Yeah, that's the right. heroic version. Yeah. Going and telling the dad would have been, like, the next best thing. Yeah. We see no evidence that he does either. You're right. That was bad. Okay, so the next episode is Double Identity. Um, which I actually literally just blanked out on for a moment, but I, I'll get it. It was the one where... Volare. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Where, um, he leaps into the body of Frankie something or other. Avalon. No. it's Guys, it's not Frankie Avalon. But, um, <laughs> it, an Italian man named Frankie who is with the mob and, uh, he's having an affair with the godfather, so to speak, Ex. ex beloved like still beloved ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Who is Teresa? Teresa. So he has to vicariously through Al uh speak Italian, sing in Italian. I just, I just was uh enjoying the singing and the barbershop moments and yeah. things and the nonnas. Um l- favorite moment is when they play with form and uh, Sam fucks up so royally with uh, Frankie that God Time Fade or whatever goes, ah, shit, uh, okay, put him into Don Gino. Uh, yeah. And it's yeah, the only case so far where he's leapt into two people in the same adventure. Yeah, that was a good one. I'm going to have to go with Volare. It was fun. Uh, I loved it. And it looked like uh, Scott Bakula loved it. My least favorite part was Volare. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say specifically the part where he says it to Don Gino in the salon, and then salon, uh, and then and then Don Gino gets this like shocked look on his face, almost like pensive and wistful. It's like he's seen both God and the devil at the same time, and he repeats Volare, which again means. To fly. That was uh, also one of my favorite moments. I'm going to have to <laughs> say that we appreciate art in very different ways. This is evident. <laughs> my least favorite moment would have to be... Uh, I'm bad at this game. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just loved this episode too much for whatever reason. <laughs> would have to be that it wasn't a 2 What about the up the skirt shot? Did you oh, yeah, hate okay. that? Okay, I hated the part where, uh, yeah, we had an she, uh, oh, Teresa. Teresa, yeah, bends over to feel somebody's bocce balls. And yeah. for some reason, they were like, A, this shot has to be in it. And B, we have to be not even a little bit off to the side. We are front and center. And she's wearing this big hoop skirt. Yeah. So it's like, it's all out there. And yeah. she knows. She's smiling about it. Yeah. And all the men around her are like, hey, wow. All they could have done, they could have just turned the camera around and had her like do that. And in the same shot, we see the reaction of the old men behind her. That's a much better way to shoot that. Yeah, because it seemed like she was doing it to like... Or yeah, she was doing it to titillate, like to get a reaction. Yeah. Oh God! Season one, episode seven is the color of truth, where Sam leaps into uh, a, a middle-aged black gentleman who is the assistant and chauffeur 
of uh, a rich white lady and accidentally runs afoul of racists in this small Georgia town. Yeah, and then uh, Sam takes it upon himself to make choices for, for him. this man's yeah. well being. And he put, like, he, he gets his granddaughter, like, run over by, not run over, but run off the road in her car and va- very badly injured. Again, not actually Sam's granddaughter. So uh, this is the one where we learned that Sam is uh, playing with people's lives yeah. in ways that he should not be. Yeah. Most favorite moment? <laughs> I, I, I thought that the, um, the, the quiet moments with, with uh, Sam and uh, Miss Melanie. Miss Melanie, correct. And Miss Melanie were actually kind of poignant and, and they dissected the issue better than, you know, the bigger moments yeah. where he was, you know, uh, like doing some, what, what is, what shouldn't be, but was considered, you know, big political statements, you know, um, I think that the quiet discussions about civil rights, oh God. But I mean, I, like, like the one that I, that stands out for me is the, the tea conversation where, uh, it, we find out that every afternoon, Miss Patty, not Miss Patty, Miss Patty was the diner owner. Yeah. Um, Miss Melanie makes them tea and she drinks it alone in the dining room and he drinks it alone in the kitchen and he just says, I think it would be polite. You made me this lovely tea. I would love to sit here and enjoy it with you. And I think that that's like a very gentle way to try to move the needle. If you are not actually a black person who, you know, like because Sam is not, he is in the body of this person. So the fact is he shouldn't be playing with the man's life. So the best thing that I think he could do is to just have enlightened conversations with the racist people he's around. Yeah. So, yeah. Can I give my least favorite moment? And this is something that I didn't kind of flag. I couldn't quite put into words, but I've been thinking about it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's this scene where Miss Melanie calls Jesse, uh, the man that Sam has leapt into, uh, and a word that begins with an N and ends R-O. And Sam says, you shouldn't call me that. And she goes, why not? And he says, because it sounds an awful lot like a word that begins with N and ends E-R. But he says the word. And the infuriating thing about that is that the episode knows your white people aren't supposed to say that word. Yeah. And they have Scott Bakula say that word. Yeah. And there's absolutely no reason for it. They're saying like, oh, yeah, it is so terribly offensive when white people say this. Mm-hmm. We'll have Bakula say it. And I, it is just mind-numbingly short-sighted. Yeah. I think um, my least favorite moment, I'm going to have to go with go with you on this one. I mean, in general, anytime anyone used that word on this episode, you're just like, oh. I, I mean, I guess it. I don't want to say it made sense for the. But if you if you want to, you know, in in this in the diegesis of the story, yeah. If you want to demonstrate your racist characters being racist, fine. Again, I, I would you know prefer if it were a black director or something like that. But exactly, yeah. I mean, I say that maybe it was a black director. I haven't looked it up, so. Oh, that's a good point. I'm. I'm just going to assume, assume it, wasn't. it wasn't. Let's move on. Move on from the color of truth to the kamikaze kid. Okay. So in this one, um, Sam leaps into the body of a dweeb who... Um, named Cam. Named Cam. Ikazi. 
No, just Cam. His car is called uh, has Kamikaze on it, even though the car is called the Mobile or some crap like that. I don't know. Uh, he learns that his sister is about to get married in a few days to a man who will, and he learns has been, uh, be abusive towards yeah. her. Uh, so he wants to stop them from getting married. Also, there's this other girl named Jill who has a crush on the dweeb Cam, and uh, they have a kiss at the end. So my least favorite moment <laughs> is the kiss. Yeah, I agree. Um... <laughs> I was also, again, this is one that I've put some thought into between then and now. There are so many ways they could have done this creatively. One is um, Sam leans in for the kiss and leaps out right before they kiss. Another way they could have done it is Sam leans in for the kiss and then the camera swings over to a mirror and we see the actual teenage actor. That would have been so much better. And just the thought of the number of people... From the casting director to the director to Scott Bakula to Deb, uh, that young actor's mom. mom. And again, like, to be fair, like, it's a kiss. It's not anything illegal. It's a kiss between two actors. So maybe I'm being, like, a little too up in arms about it. But he is literally three times her age. I agree. It was not a good moment. Um, I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't like it. Um, most favorite moment? Most favorite moment. Um, I guess I'm going to go with Bob's dad showing up late and drunk <laughs> to, the, to the rehearsal dinner for the wedding. I mean, it was bad in terms of what a terrible thing to happen, but it was fun because you're like, this whole family sucks. It was just kind of fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say the, the part in, in the climax of the episode right after... Um, what was his name? Fucking Trent or whatever. Bob. Bob uh, tries to kill Sam with his car and then starts uh, to to yell or be threatening towards his sister. And Sam does that cool slide over the hood of a car and yeah. then punches Bob in the mouth. And like that's a cool slide. And they cut <laughs> it and they keep it in the opening credits because it's just like such a cool slide. That's a cool slide, Scott. Uh, cool slide. <laughs> And then we got the last episode of the season, which is Play It Again, Seymour, where Sam leaps into a detective who looks just like uh, Humphrey Bogart for no reason. And, um, Irrelevant. They, uh, has to, he has to solve a crime, which he doesn't. Like, he, the, only, like the only way he finds it is through um, Al telling him, oh, your body is about to turn up at the airport. And then coincidence is how he solves this crime. And, oh, we also get, like, the most passionate uh, romantic plot yet with the widow of his murdered partner. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this was fun. Um, Most favorite moment. God, you go first. I'm so bad at this. Okay. um, (laughs) My most favorite moment... It's, it's kind of the moment itself and kind of our conversation about the moment. But uh, when he um, tries on one of two hats, realizes it doesn't fit and therefore isn't his. And so he puts on the other hat. And it's like, it's not your... These aren't your clothes. Like, how do you know you might be putting on the wrong hat? Yeah, let's see. I think my favorite part, I would have to go with the scene like at the the ball or the dance, whatever you call those really grand Just places. Just the nightclub. And they don't like exist anymore places like that. 
I'm sure, like, in L.A. and New York, they have kind of throwback things, but... Well, I did go to... I don't remember what it's called. Someplace in Toronto where, like, they have a a great stage for musicians and, like, there were, like, drawings of palm trees and it was big and they served food and you dress nicely. And I was like, wow, this feels like a real throwback to that. So, um, that whole scene gave me that sense of grandeur from the past, Mm -hmm. um... And uh, Allison was her name. She had such a nice dress on. Um, like she looked like this beautiful film noir character, and I was just like, you know, living my film film noir fantasy, which was sullied probably by my least favorite part, which would have to be Al ogling her through binoculars yep. and making me feel like, wow, that's so terrible, because I was like, wow, she looks so beautiful. Look at that costume, like. This is, she's in a ballroom, like, it's like a fairy tale, and then there's an old man ogling her, so I had a real moment of uh, what growing up as a lady feels like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have to, uh, anyone who uh, listened to the episode last week will know my least favorite moment, and I'll just say that gum belongs inside the teeth. (laughs) It's not for the outside. Goes... It can even go occasionally between your teeth. <laughs> so that, that that was the season we just watched. Um, right. Let's... Uh, Do you have any overall impressions? For season one, at least, is a lot more peaks and valleys than I remember. Because, again, uh, to refresh the listener's memory, like I watched this show when I was a kid. I watched maybe a season or two. Uh, on box set was that when I was in university, which is, oh dear God, 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> Sorry, the existential dread yeah. just kicked in. Um, so, like, my memory of it is very faded, but uh, yeah, I remember it being a lot more consistent and a lot more like, this is a fun adventure. Um, and again, like, I have recollections of some problematic things that have come up and will come up, but. Um, I just remember, yeah, it being a lot more consistent of every single episode being really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not to say I'm not enjoying it. I do, I still really enjoy this show, but there's a lot more variance in episode quality. Right. Yeah, I'm surprised by the uh, seriousness that keeps popping up. Like, I, I think I was led to believe that, like, Quantum Leap, it's a fun time travel show, you know? Um, and for the most part, it is, but there is some dark dark stuff and i'm uh, taking quite seriously the license that sam seems to take with everybody's lives that he's leaping into yeah like risking the lives of these people's children uh themselves like ooh, it's it's quite uh unsettling yeah. all right well now that we've recapped all the episodes let's go into our first actual award of the night okay which is this is I don't we don't have a name for this one, but it's the the leapy the person that Sam leaps into that you'd most want to hang out with. Okay. Let's see. Let's go back to our list here. Like I I, I have some ideas. Most of them, I mean, I, I don't think I want to hang out with Professor Bryant. No, <laughs> Professor Bryant can go fuck himself and um, constantly does. Yeah, um, <laughs> he does. Uh, Tom Stratton seems like a bore. Tim, uh, Tim Fox. Fox seems like a bore. Um, um, Boxer Man. No. Yeah, Meathead. Uh, Doc. Maybe. 
Maybe. He has a nice farm. He lives with Buddy Holly. Yeah, he He's seems like a chill dude. A <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty good selling point. That's like you just hang out at his house and Buddy Holly will be there singing tunes. So we can put Doc as a nominee. Doc is a possibility, yeah. Yep. Um, double identity. He's a, he's a hitman, but he seems like a nice boy. Oh, yeah. I think... <laughs> I mean, you kind of like, you watch The Godfather and you're like, I kind of would spend time with these people, though. I don't know. Remember the Meathead Brothers come with as a, as a package deal with him. They seem kind of fun. As long as they don't, like, slap me, I'm fine, I guess. <laughs> um, okay, but... Plus, I mean, Teresa. I'd like to have Teresa in my life. Yeah, but he doesn't leap into Teresa. No, but, like, you, you hang out with him, you get, again, it's a package deal. Right, okay. They're going to be hanging out. That's the only thing I thought about with the right hand of God is we could hang out with Dixie. Oh, that's true. Because uh, he's not interesting, but he does live with Dixie. And nuns. And nuns. Um, okay. uh, color uh, of truth, Jesse. I, I would hang out with Jesse. Yeah, he seems like a chill dude. Yeah, I think he'd, I think he'd, be, he'd, be, he'd be great to hang out with. Um, Kamikaze kid. We got Cam. He's 17. No, I don't. I don't need to hang out with Cam. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, again, I'm sure he's a nice kid. Um, he loves his sister a lot, but I don't think we have anything in common. Yeah, I'm nothing against him. Played again, Seymour. Um, hanging out with a Humphrey Bogart look like might be cool. It might be, but like, what do we know about him? He's a detective. Again, a detective is cool, but also that doesn't seem like it'd be a lot of fun. But he is off on adventures with uh, Allison now, right? Because assuming that he got on the plane, so he's probably like going around the world with this, with with his beautiful lady. I just imagine they're Indiana Jonesing it all over the place. But that's just me. I think everybody's Indiana. Jones. I don't know. I think they they just went on a quick vacation and then came back to New York and just like <laughs> let their love die. <laughs> oh, ouch. Okay. Um, so it seems like we're really we're, we're down to Jesse and Jesse and Doc Doc and Frankie and Frankie a bit yeah okay who would you hang with I feel like Jesse he just seems like the most kind of well-rounded chill guy like I agree. He, he could just chill I agree I don't think any of these other people can chill he also he can cook yep. So we could go have dinner with him, and, and his family also seems really nice. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jesse. All right, so the winner of the Leapy Award, is that it? Yeah, the, the Leap, Leap, Leapsman, the Leapy... The Leap Award. <laughs> Leap Stetson Award for Excellence in Being a Guy. Goes to Jesse. Jesse, what was his name? Jesse Tyler. Jesse Tyler. That's, that was his name? Yeah, it just occurred to me because Jesse Tyler like, Ferguson is yeah, also like, a person. Is that the guy on Modern Family. Yeah, absolutely. I, did, that, I didn't clock that at the time. All right. Fun. Um, so, oh, here we go. The next one, um, we've got the best Al costume. Or as I've got in my notes, the best Al stoom. We don't have a title for this award yet. I think that's a good one. Isn't it? The best well, Al I, I, I have in the my Stoomy? mind, the Stoomy is good, but I also have in my mind that whatever outfit wins this year will be the name of it for all preceding years. Okay, That's I, my vote. I do have one in my mind, and if it wins... Train, train time. time! That was a good one. That wasn't bad. Um, there is one outfit that is sticking out in my mind, and I knew this even before you came over today, and even before we decided that this was going to be an award. 
And I wonder if you're thinking of the same Ditto. one. Ditto. So let's try it. Let's count to three to see if we say it at the same time. <laughs> I mean, the problem with this, I, it's a fun game, but we could be talking about the same costume and yet say two different things. So, I mean, let's try it. Yeah, okay. One, one two, two, three. three. Egyptian hieroglyphics. <laughs> yeah! It's so okay. good. <laughs> It's good. I don't think we need any other nominees. No. Um, although, no, an honorable mention to the red visors in uh, the Kamikaze Kid. Yeah, and uh, I also throw one. There was one where he looked like uh, like a, the nightclub owner at like the birdcage in Miami. Um, right, right. The one that I said looked like um, watermelon. I, I, I did like that one. There was also, oh, right. There was, okay, a few honorable mentions. There's one that's all black except the shirt has like a green line going down the button side of the button up. And he's also got like a green light up neon, uh, three leaf clover or some kind of pin. Um, but no, uh, let's go back to the hieroglyphics. It's gotta be, I called it the Pharaoh because, uh, he didn't technically look like a Pharaoh. No. I like the idea of calling it that because it's so regal. It is the only costume he's worn that actually, um, had, that affected the plot in any way. Yes. This is in the same episode, too, where they talk about the guy who wears a stovepipe hat. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name again? I don't remember. It was something ridiculous, too. But, yeah, where they mentioned that they work with a man who wears a stovepipe hat and has a Lincoln obsession. And also the great thing about this costume... clothes in the future. The great thing about this costume is that Al was like, okay, well, I've got to wear this thing that has the ancient hieroglyphics on it. And look, everyone knows I'm a a snappy dresser. There's no way they're going to buy this unless I wear a matching outfit. (laughs) So he's got like an entire outfit that's all kind of khaki um, and matches perfectly the coloration of the tea towel he's wearing. And he like, he coordinated it in a real precise way. I now wonder if they only included the line about the stovepipe hat Lincoln men to make his outfit seem less weird. <laughs> so, uh, it's gotta win. Yeah, no, it's such a good costume. And also now the existence of this, uh, category means I'm gonna have to be paying much closer attention to Al's costumes from here on out. Yeah. Because you've always been the expert on this category. <laughs> I love them. Yeah. All right. So we've got two winners so far. So next up, we have the Golden Shoehorn Award, which will be given to the most awkwardly shoehorned cameo by uh, some historical figure whom... Oh, we're going to go with cameos? I was just thinking any kind of, like, cultural reference or... Sure. Um, or 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 um, Shakespeare paradox or anything like that. Yeah, just sure. like let's let's just this is a thing that happened that year. Yeah. Okay. I, I think we can expand that to however we want to interpret yeah. it. Yeah. I think um, we have a few nominees that come to mind immediately. Yeah. Uh, most recently, played again Seymour. There's a little kid who shows up and just starts talking to who he thinks is Humphrey Bogart, and is later on credited as Woody Allen. And again, we say credited as in his name appeared in the credits as Woody Allen with no indication at all in the script or or direction or anything that this was in fact relevant. Yeah. Yeah, it was So again, it's not relevant. even it's not even the existence of the kid. It is the existence of the credit that would get the award. Yeah. And we had another one of those in uh, the Kamikaze Kid episode. 
where he's in the bathroom and has a dance oh, off. Oh, dance off with Michael Jackson. Yeah, with the little boy who's a great dancer and then ends up uh, learning the moonwalk from Sam. And then uh, one of the kid's brothers walks in and says, like, hey, Michael, we've got to go. And we're like, oh, okay, so it was Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, so that... I mean, Buddy Holly is an obvious uh, one. Again, it's less shoehorned in in that it, it, I mean, it ends up being an important plot device. Which is what made me think, like, should we give it to them then because it ended up being the thing, the important thing? Or does that mean it's disqualified? I don't necessarily think either. I don't think... I th- I, to me, it, it counts as points against it, but I also wouldn't necessarily disqualify it for that reason. I will say, like, it's a very good actor doing Buddy Holly. Yes. That's... that's um, he, was, he was very um, uh, fun to watch. And I think that Watergate, in general, should get a shout-out. Yeah, Watergate for, for many episodes. appearances, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of anything else. I suppose the fact that, um, Sam looks like Humphrey Bogart in... Which, again, again Seymour is doesn't matter. shoehorny. Yeah. Why is that a thing? <laughs> I think he just wanted to act like Humphrey Bogart. But then it's like, why didn't you... Well, you can't make him Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart because then you'd be an actor. Yeah. We don't want to watch like a show about an actor being an actor acting in things. Tell that to slings and arrows. <laughs> I love that show. I actually haven't watched it all. I know. That I mean, if you if you've seen face. season one, I saw one episode. <gasps> you have to at least watch season one. I know. I have my vote. What do you think? It's tough because I don't want to give any awards to Woody Allen or Michael Jackson. But, but I know it's not the actual people. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know what? I've got mine anyway. I've got mine. Go ahead. Or do you want me to? I'm going to have to go with Buddy Holly. Uh, it was the first time we saw this happen. Yes, he was important um, and ended up being the thing that caused him to leave. But uh, it was a great actor. Uh, the Piggy Suey song was inspired. <laughs> so I have to go with Buddy Holly. I have to go with Michael Jackson. Yeah. For the like for the execution, they got a great little dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, the complete superfluousness of it, it affected not a thing. Like nobody saw it except for Sam and Al. It served no purpose other than to take up about a minute forty-five of screen time. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, that is perfect. Well, we can go with that. No, we don't have to. I'm just. I. I, I agree. I agree with you. I just. There's just that horrible documentary that I'm like, I don't even want to think about it right now. I don't even know what what documentary. Don't tell me. Don't tell me about any documentary. I know. He's like the worst. I know. Apparently. I know. I know, but <laughs> it was like 89, 90. We didn't. We didn't know. <laughs> that little boy did also, a great job. That little boy is probably me. great. I wonder what he grew up to be. Perhaps we can give the award to the actor who played... Michael Jackson. Yeah. And the award goes to the little boy who portrayed... Hold on. I'm going to look this one up. Okay. Kamikaze Kid. Full cast. Do you know Jason Priestley's name in this? What is it? The character's name was Pencil. (laughs) (laughs) How do we give that award? (laughs) 
Why isn't... The pencil award goes to pencil. For some reason, I guess because he was the only speaking part, but there's one actor credited as older brother who would have been the kid who said the word Michael. But Michael isn't credited because presumably he didn't have any lines. Interesting. This is unacceptable. To the young, mysterious boy with the great dancing skills. We salute you. We salute you. And award you with this great golden shoehorn. (laughs) May it prop your feet into shoes that are a little too snug. Because that's what shoehorns are for. Or if you just don't have the mobility. Like they have those like four foot shoehorns if you're like, if you can't bend over. Oh yeah. I think we should make the a golden shoehorn like one of those, just to make give it a little more um, kind of um, gravitas. Yes, a shoehorn, a golden shoehorn as tall as you, little boy. <laughs> assuming you are still exactly the same age as you were in '89. And height. All right. The next award we're awarding today is one we're calling the Yikes McGikes Award for cringeable Al moments. I think what that says got? it all. Um, lingerie party is my yeah. That was the first one. That first came to one. My mind. Uh, um, there's also the binoculars. Yep, yeah, binoculars on Allison in the black velvet dress. Uh, the lingerie party at um, Cam's sister's bridal shower or whatever. Yeah, where he had a camera and like wanted to hide in the closet and like watch her try on lingerie or something. Um, I don't know if that, if that was our speculation. I think the camera was our addition. Oh. Uh, when he managed to communicate with Miss Melanie to save her life and then said, think of all the women I can reach now. Young women. Younger women. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, when he went into Professor Bryant's closet and saw all the kinky things. Again, I don't think that that's necessarily... I mean, he's, he's being a little bit of a snoop, but it does, it's not on par <laughs> with some of the other things we've mentioned. I will say, like, a lot of the Tina stuff, like his line about how, um, you know... Uh, while he was uh, in the imaging chamber cheating on Tina, Tina was somehow cheating on him. Yes. There's a lot of just like hypocrisy and shittiness there. Yeah. How about the fact that the first thing we see of Al is him pulling up in a car next to a woman walking alone. This is our introduction to the character. (laughs) I gotta go with lingerie party. Lingerie party. It's the one where he's actually like watched a naked woman without her knowledge. And he's openly admitting it yeah. to, to Sam. Like the binoculars, yes, he is staring at her boobs from across the room, but she's wearing a dress in public that everyone can, that see. Everyone can see. He's not... I mean, it's, it's... It's tacky. It's tacky. It's not necessarily an invasion of privacy to the same extent that watching somebody change when she thinks she's alone. A, a, a woman who is one-third his age. She's 22 in this episode. Or yeah. the character is 22. So that's that's uh, congratulations to Al Calavici <laughs> for winning the Yikes McGikes Award for lingerie party in Kamikaze Kid. All right, so uh, this we're we're doing a brief interlude uh, in the Quantum Leap portion of the show to talk about the podcast you're listening to. Oh, oh boy, boy, it's, it's Kristen and Leet, and uh, we want to talk about. Things that we learned about each other doing this podcast. Hmm. Hmm. There's a 
part of me that wants to go with something to do with chicken boo. <laughs> <laughs> I and do the love to which Leet remembered the chicken boo song. I love that song. I legitimately think that's like people like Pinky in the Brain. It's a <laughs> shit song. Chicken Boo is a great song. I don't song. think anybody's walking around saying that it was a great song. I think they liked the cartoon. I don't think we were... Like, what a musical work of genius. But Chicken Boo is a better song. Um, I've been, I, I haven't rewatched it since, but I have been thinking about it since that episode. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what I learned about you other than the fact that you can vividly remember Animaniacs that well. <laughs> Um, let me think. There's a couple of things I learned about you. I think it's an interesting thing is that you are so into horror and so averse to violence is like an interesting just juxtaposition for me. Um, for yeah, for a person who like loves horror and has a horror podcast um, on a dark cold night. Incidentally, my other podcast is called uh, the Pitch Off Project. Um, yeah, it just seems like a, a, a weird squeam to have. No, I, I agree. Yeah. Fun! Uh, the next uh, thing here... Oh, uh, this is an award for the best goof, not of Quantum Leap, the best goof of, oh boy, it's Kristen and Leet. <clears throat> All right. How are we interpreting this? I, I think it can be kind of anything. It'll just be... Um, your, maybe your favorite moment from the podcast this uh, season? Do you want me to go? Yeah. I mean, I fucking love a dropper named Clapper. <laughs> and how much mileage we got out of that one phrase. That was very good. I love every time that we stop and speak to our millions of followers <laughs> and listeners out there. And our try millions to, of billions of listeners. And try to convince Scott Bakula to come on the show. Yeah, because he's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> That is fun. That's a good bit. Yeah. yeah. I also love that we never introduced what train time is, but we kept doing it anyway. Yeah, I cut out probably like two-thirds of the train times. Oh. Well, just so you know, um, train time is a, I live next to a train that goes to train tracks. <laughs> I was waiting for the word tracks. <laughs> I live in a train. <laughs> I go wherever the train takes me. It's no. so hard to schedule recordings. <laughs> I'll be in town on Tuesday. Hop on. No, um, so yeah, sometimes the train goes by and it's loud, so we decided to make a song of it. But we didn't really introduce that concept, so sometimes we just start singing about trains. I'm trying to think if we have any other... Uh, any other goofs. Any other fun goofs? I think um, between the two of us, and the two places that we record in, there are three cats. Yep. And uh, we have interacted a few times with either cats snacking on kibbles or in recordings or coming up to the mic. And... Again, I think I've caught every every cat appearance. I know. I just... It's something I appreciate <laughs> so, in the moment. This isn't your for, favorite moment from the podcast is shit that's not in the podcast. This isn't for the listeners. This is for us. Yeah, we just... It's good for our souls. It's for us and the cats. Um, I'm trying to think if there's, no, there's, there's more, there's more. There's some fun bits. I'm trying to remember. There was one in episode one that for sure when I was editing it, I was like, oh my God, I hope we can manage to maintain this level of humor <laughs> and I'll leave it to you to decide audience. <laughs> Listen to the color of truth and tell us how hilarious we are. <laughs> I guess it was, it was the goof about him 
repeatedly telling people he didn't know how to fly a plane. And we got it on a pretty good riff of that. And also Weird Ernie. <laughs> Weird Ernie. Yeah. Weird Ernie was a pretty funny bit in episode one. I do have to say that um, <laughs> I listened to the part of Kamikaze Kid where we talk about about him kissing Jill several <laughs> times because it was so awkward that I was like listening to it thinking like, how bad is this? How bad is what we're saying? But every time it got to you saying, you get to smooch this young, young girl in a desperate voice. <laughs> that is maybe my favorite line of the whole, the whole season. <laughs> Here you go, you get to smooch this young, young girl. <laughs> I, will, I will say I stole the phrasing from John Mulaney. That's a very oh. John Mulaney structured sentence. Yes. Um, but <laughs> I'll take it for sure. If I, could, if I get to walk out of here with an old boys eat tonight, I'm happy to have it. Well, here, here you go. Oh, thank you so much. Shining golden old boysie for you. It's the young, young girl award. <laughs> oh, no. Nope. All right, let's get back to the show Quantum Leap, about which this podcast is. What? This is the Bacula Actula Award. Yep. Best acting moments from Scott Bacula. What do you got? I mean, I really like the scene in Kamikaze Kid where it's him and Bob on their front lawn. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sam uh, stands up to him. Again, it's he's not acting like a kid anymore, but... Again, it's it's a very good moment of him being a strong, sensitive brother. And I like that a lot. I like the moments. Um, there's one in Kamikaze Kid where he's giving the speech at the wedding rehearsal. C'est l'heure de train. Oh, that was French. Is it train? Train? No, it is not. I was like, I took French immersion, but I don't really. It is le locomotive. There you go. I don't know. Yeah, so when he's giving the speech in, in Kamikaze Kid the very heartfelt speech to his sister about all the great things she does. I also pair this with um, the speech he gives Teresa where he talks about how she's a good person and a beautiful person who's a great hairdresser. Um, I, I don't know why I found that speech kind of sweet because, you know, she just seems like a person who doesn't have people tell her that sort of thing very often. And same with, um, same with in Kamikaze Kid with his sister. I'm like... I know it's kind of one of those, you know, man rushing in to make women's self-esteem better moments. Yeah. But, like, I kind of liked it. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't immediately mention him crying on the phone with his father. Oh, yeah. I liked that, too. That's your favorite. Is that That's the only time we've seen him cry yet, right? There might have been another time. I don't think so. I think that might be it. I do like that. Yeah. I do like... I do like tears. Um, I also like okay. Going back to Kamikaze Kid, this is more a, a more comic moment. But when his mother tells him to kiss her, and he stoops <laughs> so so low, and then cranes his neck up to give him a kiss on the underside of her jaw, is pretty great. Yeah, that was good. That was good. I also think that uh, his chemistry with Allison in Played Again Seymour. I don't know if it's like good acting or just like these two people were just... Boning down. Ready. <laughs> just ready for it. But like, it was palpable. Yeah, it was. That, that Especially that first scene in his office. It was unlike anything we'd seen else in this show. Yeah. So maybe you just got two good actors who also had great chemistry. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah. 
So what do we think wins the act- Bacula Actula Award for actuling? I want to get some more comedy moments in here. We've got like the dramatic ones. Mm. I want to see if we can if we can. There was one episode that he and Al actually got into a pretty good like vaudeville shtick. But I don't remember what it was. Not uh, the Ita- speaking Italian. Oh, that is the one I'm father. talking of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was terrible acting. <laughs> was that was rough. terrible acting. Fair enough. Um, I mean, let's let's give an honorable mention to his backing when he's shirtless and carrying the uh, um, if, fence post. If for no other reason than those looked like heavy fence posts. And also, for if for no other reason than the fact that I want to give the Bacula Acula Award to his backing. <laughs> Maybe we should just give it to that. Yeah. Because it works on many, many levels. <laughs> but he wasn't acting. He was just carrying a thing uphill. But <laughs> god damn if it wasn't impressive. And the Bacula actually. No, we don't have to. Well, what do you think? Ooh. I mean, I think your passion for him crying on the phone. I mean, again, I, I'm the one who put this on you. But also, I know that you like this moment a lot. And I I like it for different reasons. And it's kind of the first time we get to yeah. see him flex that muscle. Yeah, I will say like the the thing you like about it is the kind of raw emotion of it. The thing I like about it is his kind of very realistic, um, kind of stumbling over his words and not quite knowing what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, that like again, uh, Scott Bakula as an actor is. Careful, a the fans little, are listening, and the fans yeah. love Bacula. No, the, the fans love Bacula, and I love Bacula too, but he definitely has like a heightened thing to the way he speaks. You know what I mean? It, it's it's a little stagey. Mm-hmm. And and him stammering over his words because uh, he was crying so much was... Yeah, it was mm, affecting. Yeah. So I would I would give that. I agree. Episode? Well, episode, episode one, part two. Yes. But he, he got it right. In Genesis Part Two, he really he really sticked the landing with the emotional phone call to his father, and for that, we give him the Bacula Actula Award. Yeah, henceforth known as the Bacting Award, maybe. We'll get back to you on that <laughs> next the season. Bacting- <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next award is one that I've been looking forward to. It is, of course, the Dixie Award for. A supporting actor who really elevates the material. Yeah, named after, of course, Dixie in The Right Hand of God, who we, we re- really made the whole episode so much better yeah. for her being in it. Um, so granting that she's probably going to win, let's get some more honorable mentions yeah. out here. <laughs> yeah, this will, just so you know, for future seasons, when we keep referring to, as we have been in this one, who is the Dixie of the episode, yep. that is in reference to Dixie. There you go. <laughs> um, I want to give honorable mention to Teresa from uh, yeah. Double Identity. Yeah, I talk, I talked for so long about her wonderful smile She's and her beautiful warmth. smile. Just like yeah, and, and uh, funny and personable. Mm-hmm. I agree with that one. Um, and also the pure joy on her face when. Um, when Sam, in the body of Don Gino at this point, asks Frankie, do you love her? And Frankie says, with all my heart. Oh. And she just beams. Oh, I cry. 
cry. I yeah. can't cry. Maybe she should win. Teresa <laughs> might win the dick. And come, uh, what do you call it? Like coming in fast. Yeah. Uh, Dixie is uh, Teresa. Oof. Um, but we have some more. Yeah. Um, what do we think? I think that the granddaughter in The Color of Truth was She's very, very good. good. She was um, like so warm and joyful and that made what happened to her so much more uh, painful to watch. Yep. Um, and her singing in the car. I loved her well, singing in the car scene. Yeah. Play it again, Seymour. I kind of feel like both Allison and Seymour could get a shout out. That's true. I'd forgotten about Seymour. Seymour was very good. Allison. Played by that guy. I don't remember his name, but he. he the guy from he, Sex and the City. Yeah, he got, he worked a lot after this. Yeah. Like, he's a hard working. It says on his IMDb page. Yeah. Like, Seldom out of work or something. Yeah. Works all the time. Allison, um, again, I. I Give it to Allison for just the blatant sexual tension, mm-hmm. but not much else. For me, because um, she played uh, such a good role in the Disney film Atlantis. She's got a beautiful husky voice. Yeah, and uh, there is a part of me that just really appreciates her on that level, and that she does film noir very well, and like that's her introduction in Atlantis. Is like mm-hmm. we think that's her deal, yeah. but it's not. But, uh, you know, but I, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed her a lot. Um, anyone else? Uh, Jamie Lee and Oscar, they're pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about Jamie Lee earlier and how, um, when you look at her performance through a comedic lens, it suddenly becomes brilliant. And Oscar is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Oscar was great. (laughs) Just like a roided up Archie Andrews. Uh, that's very true. Is that mean? No, I think that's fair. I think it's like if if Archie and Moose had a baby. (laughs) Again, we'll talk about Dixie. We briefly mentioned her, but wonderful actor managed to take a role of like this woman who could have been, it could have gone so badly. Yeah. And it went so well. I mean, I would say arguably did go badly in terms of the script. Like that is a nothing script. Yeah, yeah. Basically, she's there to say that she's a topless dancer, take her top off, have everyone around her sexualize her, Mm -hmm. be asked to do something she doesn't want to do, and then do it. Like, none of that is anything... I don't know, but she managed to turn it into this really beautiful, sensitive performance. And funny. And funny. I don't know how she did it. So okay. it's true. Like like now that we've laying it all out, like like sure, like uh, Teresa and uh, Oscar were both great, but I, I think in terms of do working with what you were given, yeah. As an in actor, terms of as I said at the beginning, elevating the material, no one holds a candle to Dixie. It's got to be Dixie. Congratulations to Dixie for your eponymous award. <laughs> the Dixie Award goes to Dixie. All right. Well, not next season. Next season, anyone's anyone's in the running. Maybe they'll bring her back. <laughs> Maybe he leaves Maybe into Dixie. Maybe she becomes a quantum leap. What if? Theory. Because you know how in uh, season one of episode two, he's into he's he leaps into a woman who's uh, a new senior vice president of something something. Yeah. What if he leapt into Dixie like five years later? Ooh. That would be amazing. It could happen. The Dixie Award could go to Dixie again. 
Well, no, but then it would be a uh, 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 leapy that you'd most like to hang with. But I would still <laughs> award it to her for sure. Right, right, right. <laughs> All right. I thin out the big highlight category. We've made it. It's the end of the episode, everybody. Congratulations. Congratulations, Lee. Congratulations, Kristen. Congratulations, Scott. Bacula. Dean. Donald. Donald. Dixie. All our winners tonight, but especially to you, the listeners. For bearing with us for, what is this, probably 10 hours of audio? Yeah. Congratulations. Maybe 12? You're welcome. (laughs) What's the last award? The last award is for best episode. Best episode, straight up. I haven't even, I guess I've thought about it, Mm -hmm. but this is hard. Yeah. There's not a single one that could win without an asterisk. Yes, that's right. Unless we picked one that doesn't deserve to win, like um, like Genesis Part 1 or something. doesn't have anything to disqualify it. It's just not the best episode. Yeah. Um, let's just name some of our favorites to start with. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to start with... I liked Double Identity. I liked Played Again Seymour. I say Kamikaze Kid. Yeah, I was going to say... Great episode. But, again, here comes my, you know, taste in art situation that we've talked about before. I think I can objectively say that Kamikaze Kid is a better episode in terms of structure Mm -hmm. and script and everything. Was it my favorite to watch? Maybe not. That's a tough one for me. Because I I think I enjoyed Play It Again, See More and More. But I know that um, it had super flaws. Yeah. Again, I'm much more of a structuralist and, and um, I'm not going to say I'm more of a writing nerd because you are more of a writer than I am. But that said, I, I care a lot about form and, and things like that. Yeah. So that's why like Play, Play It Again, Seymour was, was a very galling episode. Also as a mystery lover. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I do think you've hit it on the head in a way. You are into form and structure. And uh, that's why you always know better than I do what's actually going on in the episode. <laughs> I'm a pedant. <laughs> Whereas I am uh, into feelings and atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so, I it, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's what makes this an interesting... All right, so... Are there any others that jump out to you other than Kamikaze Kid? I mean, How the Test was one, again, yeah. huge asterisks in it, but it was... Um, there were a lot of parts that were a lot of fun. It was beautiful. Like, again, they were shooting out in the fucking desert of, you know, outside of L.A., where, presumably, but they, they in, in old horsey show times. And, old horsey show times. You know, times. those old horsey shows. And it, it was a beautiful-looking episode, and there yeah. was a lot of fun in it. Again, like, Genesis, fair, star-crossed, big old fair from me. Yeah. Right Hand of God, again. No. Nope. Yeah, not a lot going on there. Dixie. Yeah, not a whole lot going on there. So it's really the latter half of the season we're talking. How the Test was won, Double Identity, uh, We'll Skip the Color of Truth, Kamikaze Kid, and Play It Again, Seymour. We've got four nominees. I guess I'll eliminate Play It Again, Seymour, because you're right. As, as fun as it was, and uh, as sexy as those two were, <laughs> um, I will say that Double Identity was a better episode. So I'll, I'll yeah. narrow mine down to that one. Yeah, and I'm, I'm quite happy. Well, I'll, I'll take how the test was won out again, just because 
it's not as strong as the other three, I would argue. And in that case, I'm quite happy to go with double identity as a as a compromise decision. It's got um, the fun uh, formal twist of him ju- leaping into another body partway through. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's got, I mean, the wonderful Teresa. Yes. And while it does have that horrible upskirt shot, it doesn't have a 13-year-old. That's the thing. That's that's the hugest asterisk of Kamikaze Kid. If it were me awarding this, it would be Kamikaze Kid. But also knowing that that is the, one of the hugest asterisks out there. And B, that it, just, like, it wasn't as much fun for you. But also that that asterisk includes the fact that that kiss messes the whole structure up, doesn't it? Oh, that's true. That how he was hanging out in this town for an extra two weeks. <laughs> that's true. I'd forgotten about that. Just so that I don't feel too guilty if, no. if I end up getting my way on this one. Plus, also, I'm quite happy to award it to Double Identity because I think Teresa deserves something. If she didn't win the Dixie Award, I'm so happy to give uh, Double Identity the best episode. You think so? You're okay with that Are decision? you? Oh, I am. I very much am. Yeah. But I don't want, I don't want to coerce you. No, not at all. This is uh, I think it was fun. I think it was fun. It um it had a lot of vaudeville bits. It um had some great supporting characters. <laughs> it had singing. It had singing even though it was that. <laughs> all right. Congratulations to Double Identity this year's winner of the Oh Boise for best episode. Congratulations. Congratulations what, to all the winners, especially you, you, the listener. <laughs> oh, also, we should do a best listener. I think it's got to go to me. I think it's got to go to Scott Bakula. We are going to dive into season two soon. So um, stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at Kristen Leet. On Facebook, on our page, oh boy, it's Kristen and Leet. On Instagram, at Kristen and Leet. Um, rate and subscribe. Yes. And tell a friend. Just one. No more. No How more than one. How dare you? <laughs> Honestly, we don't want to get too big too fast. <laughs> we can't handle the sudden rise to fame. Yeah. That would inevitably come. I'm not ready to sell out Madison Square Gardens. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of... Oh, oh boy, boy. It's, it's Kristen and Leet. Bye.